In this episode of Upper Calling, we talk about choosing God over the idols in our lives. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I am great. How are you today? Not bad. Not bad. The car would not start, but I am grateful that we had a second car, so that actually worked out just fine. Yes, that that American dream is working out for you right I now. I tell you what, sometimes the American dream is a nightmare, but both of them are, <laughs> are things that you can do while you're asleep. Well, let me ask you this. Today, I, I, I like the way you started, and I don't... Are you planning to, is this the last lesson in this series or the second to last lesson in this series? Now, this is normally your last question, so I I like how you're just completely flipping the tables here (laughs) and starting with the last question first. Uh, Next week is the last. It felt like the second to the last sermon, because I felt like there was some some of the stuff that that you kind of left on the table that I thought, he's going to come back at this again. Oh, you better tell me what that is in case I don't. (laughs) Anyway, today you talked about becoming like what you worship, which makes a lot of sense to me. The role model uh, that that so many had chosen was literally a barnyard animal. I mean, we, we make fun of it because obviously they're 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 worshiping a bull. But the real problem was that they had become as dumb as as cows, but that they had chosen values which are like those around us. It's easy to see the ridiculousness of basically aspiring to be hamburger. But why does it seem so reasonable at the time? Just getting getting into the the history of, of idolatry and why why different cultures chose their gods. And of course, you know, the, the gods of Egypt were were somewhat different, uh maybe a little bit less refined than say by the time we get to you know, the Greek pantheon. And, and maybe those kind of relate more to us because all those gods are in human form, and they're they're the idealized human form. Well, even right. in those those ancient gods, so you know the Apis bull that you know maybe was the the background for the the calf that was formed in Exodus thirty two. But why would why would Egyptians you know want to worship something shaped like a bull? Well, you know, bull connotes strength. It it denotes you know something that a culture would want to have present in it. Right. And and I think what what happens with idolatry and why it was, you know, significant to them like you said, you know, they were they weren't wanting to be, you know, hamburger. There were definite reasons, you know, why they wanted to associate their gods with these things. But what God is in, in the scripture, you know, warning them against and, and the criticize the criticizing that he does about this is because unintentionally they did take on those those properties of what they were worshiping that led to you know direct conflict with God. So again, they may worship a bull because you know that connotes strength, and they may worship Baal because they think that's going to bring the rain. But in worshiping these things, whether it was the bull, uh, and, and so they're they're stubborn because they're not letting God lead them, they're willing something else to lead them, so they've become like what they worship. Right. Or if they're worshiping Baal, and so now they're, they're listening to the prophets of Baal, but the, these prophets really have no knowledge to impart. So because of that, it's, it's working directly contrary to Jehovah God. Right. So they're not, they're not intending to be blind, they're not intending to be deaf, 
but because they've, they've looked at something and thought this will add something to us, but because that something was opposed to God, then that's what made them into the blind, the deaf, and the dumb, and those things that we were we were talking about this morning. I think you're exactly right. I think these are ancient symbols of gods, and they li- they were idealizing the strength. They were idealizing the industry, uh, fertility. I mean, let's face it, we're not interested as much in fertility because we're not an agricultural society. We don't have to worry about if our cows are going to calf or not. Uh, we worry about if Publix runs out of hamburger. Right. We're not trying to have 12 kids because the more kids we have, you know, the more farmhands you have. We, we look at it the exact opposite. If I've right. got more kids, I've got more kids i got to put through college. That's- you know, you, you, <laughs> so we're, we're, not, we're not looking at, uh, at a God to give us the same thing that maybe those cultures a long time ago were looking at a God to give them. That, that's exactly right. One of the points that you made, if I'm not mistaken, this was your second point. You said we need to stop seeking vanity for glory. I could not agree more, but Josh, I mean, wealth is glorious. Influence is glorious. I think what one of the things that, that, that I'm missing there is what does it mean to be seeking glory instead of vanity? This comes back to perspective and the, the interesting thing, contrasting worship of Jehovah with, with worship of all these idols, not that thought of the afterlife was completely absent uh, in all these cultures. But if there was an afterlife for an Egyptian, you didn't really want it. The Pharaoh may have an afterlife to look forward to, but it really was, it was an earthbound materialistic, here's what we can have. And granted, even in the Hebrew scriptures, the idea of the afterlife is not fully fleshed out. uh, And it's not till we get to the New Testament that that becomes much more so. But even in those scriptures where, where God is holding out to them, here is what you can be. Not only my holy people, not only my, my special nation, but you can be holy like I'm holy. Right. And so it all has to do with perspective. You're right. I mean, money can buy a whole lot of stuff. Uh, we can have very comfortable lives. But if I recognize that glory and real glory— is something much different than than the fake that that we're being sold. That's why worshiping Jehovah God, reverencing real glory, is looking at something of much more value. And ultimately, it does come back to that eternal life aspect. We're not we're not just living for the here and now. We're 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 eternal beings in a uh, confined space and time right now. But this this being lives on. And if, if I'm wanting glory, real glory with Jehovah, with, with Jesus, then, then that's the difference. It's, it's about perspective. Are we earthbound or are we eternity bound? This is what made sense in my head, that vanity is something that lasts for a little while, but has no everlasting value. Uh, wealth is one of those things that will give you some advantages now, but it doesn't last near, and it doesn't go nearly as far as you think it does developing the character of God. That is glory. Everything else kind of turns into something that's not necessarily fake, but very temporary. Does that make sense? It does. And I think we see that all around us because when we behold those who have wealth, those who have power, those who have status, and those things, they're trumpeted and there are certainly good aspects to them. 
But I think the more we find out is there's a real lack of peace and contentment and joy and happiness in those lives. You know, in, in my sermon this morning, I referenced, you know, a couple of my sports heroes from as being as a kid. Yeah. Um, just about any, not always, but just about any of these guys that we may have idealized or even idolized as, as young people, when you begin to look at what their lives were really like, it's not what we want. The thing my friends and I looked forward to the most in the early days of the pandemic, there was a, a five-part ESPN documentary on Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. And they kind of rushed the production of it because they were like, okay, everybody's at home. We're going to get this out there, and it will be appointment viewing for five Sunday nights in a row. And it was. Yeah. Michael Jordan was not a good person. <laughs> he's still not a good person. Now, he's not the worst. No. But he was super competitive, and he won, and he was great, and he did all these things. And so, again, I can idolize that. Yeah. And I can say that that is the pinnacle. But he is a bitter person. He has counted every slight that's ever happened in his life, and he holds on to grudges to this day. And I'm not just making that up. He says it in his own words. Right. Right. That's not glory. No. That's fame. That's, yeah. that's, that is talent. That is you know supreme talent. But that's not living in glory. That, that's something far less. I don't know if you've ever watched one of these. 30 by 30 or something like that. And, and 34, 30, 34 can you get 30. it right? Okay, there you yes, go. Yes, I've, I've seen many of them. One of them, they talk about how, especially athletes, they rise to prominence before they rise to maturity. When they are young, they have all the physical ability that they will not have when they are older. One of the statistics, and I don't remember the number, I just remember it was awfully high. I, I want to say it's like 70 or 80% of the people who who are in the NFL making these fabulous paychecks when they're young end up bankrupt by the time they're 40. Yeah. And it's like wow, that didn't last long, did it? Again, it's it's that idea we end up going after things number 1 that aren't that important and number 2 don't last very long. I think the doc you were even talking about there, I think it was simply called broke. The poster boy, uh, and actually a character they followed a lot in that documentary, was a guy named Keith McCants. Yeah. Uh, Keith McCants was a University of Alabama star. Uh, he was drafted by the Buccaneers. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, I'm aware of him because University of <laughs> Alabama alumni, and I live here in Tampa. Sure. Well, not only did he get a lot of money, but he lost all that money. Yeah. And not only did he have an NFL career, but he got injured and addicted to first painkillers and then all manner of drugs and died, I want to say, just a month ago. Oh, my. That's not glory. And that, that's not to say that all these guys, you know, run into that or that, no. you know, anybody that has, you know, done well in business or done well in politics or, or what have you, that they're all, you know, going to have miserable lives. But there's a lack of of peace and of righteousness and of, of of holiness and joy and all these other things that are most of the time absent in their lives. You know, we have talked about this before, but I think this lesson brings this home a lot more than maybe others in this series. This ultimately becomes a conversation about values. You've made the argument that idolatry is really a form of selfishness, and I could not agree more. Why is this such a big problem? Why is it, number one, so pervasive? 
But why is it so destructive? Because we ultimately believe that there is a God who knows what's best for us mm-hmm. and, and a God who's trying to bring us to himself. That, that's glory. But because, and again, we have to recognize, you know, there is an enemy here that we haven't really been talking about in this series, but there's an enemy that's behind all this idolatry, and that is, of course, Satan. Right. And he is offering us cheap substitutes, and he's offering us things, even as he tried to do with, you know, our Lord, you know, here, bow down and worship me, and I'll grant you all the kingdoms of the world. You know, you and I may may read that in, in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 and think, well, there's no way, you know, no way Jesus would would ever even consider that. It's a temptation. Yeah. And I believe it was a very real temptation because God was offering Jesus a glorious kingdom, but you're going to have to die for it. Right. And Satan's saying, I can offer you not exactly what God was offering you, but I can offer you a pretty good substitute mm-hmm. and you don't have to die. Right. And all you need to do is bow down and worship me. Right. Well, you know, Jesus didn't sell his soul for the world, and we're selling our souls for a whole lot less than the world. Yeah. We're, 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 we're selling our souls for scrap. But it's all because there are things that we want, that, that we are distracted by, that we are tempted by. But all the while, God is saying, I have something better. So really what I was even trying to get to at, at the concluding point of the lesson, selfishness is a problem. And we won't call this selfishness. We'll call it our desire. So what, what I desire is definitely can be a problem. But if I can flip that, and if I can let Scripture show me what I really ought to desire, you know, if I can, along with the psalmist, you know, talk about how I yearn for God and I long for God, and if I really reverence God, then I can actually turn that you know, kind of selfish desire on its head. And like, if I want God, now I'm striving toward what is actually glorious, what is actually, you know, perfect and what God wants for me. Why do you want to be like God? Shouldn't we be exactly what we are? Shouldn't we pursue our authentic self, Josh? Shouldn't we find our passion? Shouldn't we be the best us that we can be? Yeah, I I don't think anyone uh, would have ever asked that question before, say, about 1965. Mm -hmm. Uh, in human history. Uh, This is a relatively new or maybe newish concept, although I'm sure uh, those who are much more schooled in philosophy could probably say, actually, I'm wrong about that. But, okay, let's talk about that. Okay. I I don't think, in my understanding of Scripture, and what I mean by becoming like God does not mean that we, you know, lose personality. We, We lose... Kind of what makes Kenny Kenny as opposed to Josh being Josh. Right. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is that there are parts of us that maybe we even cherish, but that are harming us. Right. For instance, let's go back to Israel. So Israel, although they did cry out in their bondage to God and God heard them, and yet while after God has delivered them out of Egyptian bondage and he's leading them to the promised land, yet they're constantly being you know, rebellious against God and they're murmuring and they're complaining and they're saying, oh, but if only we could go back to Egypt and if only we could eat the, the food that was there. Okay, so that's what, that's what they want. Right. That's who they want to be now. Yeah. And God's saying, if you'll just come after me, I'll give you freedom. Yeah. You're enslaved in Egypt, and you keep on wanting to go back to slavery. I'm trying to offer you freedom. 
And ultimately, that freedom is not just you can escape physical bondage, but you can be free from the bondage of sin, and you can be holy like me. Right. So this whole notion of, well, let's just let me be me and you be you, okay, that that's true in some ways. But when it comes to the things that God's trying to point out in us yeah. and saying, you don't see it, but... You know, that little part of you that, that you think is so funny is actually lust. And, and that's not that's not really funny. That's right. that's enslaving you to something. Right. Or or that part of you that, you know, you don't want to give up, well, that's greed. Yeah. And and, and that's 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 not gonna do you any good. I, God's saying, I see this as harmful and I want something better for you. The character of God is intrinsically better than we are. I know what I want, but I don't always know what I need. And God always knows what I need. And he keeps on pointing me toward that. I think you're right. There is a part of us that is very individual. But even then, if that individualism is getting in your way, get rid of it. God does have a better plan for you. It might not be lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, but it is just as important. It is just as important that you fulfill his plan for you rather than your plan for yourself. Let me ask you this. How should this change us because of God's upward call? I'll go again to, to what we concluded with. And, and talking about the opportunity we have to become like what we worship, and again, that can be a very disastrous thing if we're yeah. worshiping other things. But what was impressed upon me most, and hopefully resonates with all of us, and I don't mean this to only apply to what we do corporately as a congregation. Yeah. But what does it mean to worship? And when worship becomes what I like, what I want, we, we, I'm, I'm missing the point. Worship is about who God is. Yeah. And I tell you, Kenny, um, there's so many times where, where whoever the song leader is on Sunday will ask me, you know, what are you preaching about? And I'll, you know, tailor some songs to that, which is not a bad thing. Right. But I generally almost always say, well, let's just let's just find some songs to praise God. Because you know what? If I'm if I'm doing a sermon that's on resisting temptation, mm-hmm. whatever it be, we have songs that are about that. But the reason why I should resist temptation is because of how right. glorious and great God is. And what needs to be impressed upon me and what needs to be impressed upon you, what needs to be impressed upon all of us all the time yeah. is God is great. God is good. I want to be like him. That's why I resist. So if I'm reading my scriptures, best lesson I can ever take away from scripture is, here's what it yeah. told me about God. And all the other lessons that follow from that, whether he's telling me not to do something or he's telling me to do something, it ultimately comes back yeah. to because this is yeah. who God is. So if I want the upper call... Well, yeah. this is all about the upward call. The upward call is to be with God right. himself. And that needs to be the focus of my life. I would, I would only add this and see if you agree with this. God is as good as you said he is, and he loves you. It, it, it'd be one th- it's one thing to have somebody who you know is just amazing, but has absolutely no interest in you at all. The thing about it is, is God is perfect, and he loves you, and he wants you to be with him. So, I mean, that, that, that makes all the sense. Again, I don't know who your childhood heroes were, and I had plenty of them. Right. I was never going to be like them. Yeah, And you're better off because of that, man. Right. I am. I am. The glorious thing is 
God who none of us on our own could ever even approach. And yet God has held out said, because of, like you said, because of his love for us, yeah. I'll let you be like me. I'll, I'll remake you. I'll, I'll redeem you in my son and I'll sanctify you and transform you and all these other things that, yeah. that I can do for you and my son. Yeah. And that, is, that that's that mind blowing. Okay. We do have one listener question. I, I will say that I, the people who asked this question asked to remain anonymous. So I, I will absolutely not call Amy Gamester or Jocelyn or anybody out by name. But, but I will ask the question they asked was how do you get your kids to do chores? Because that's the way you basically introduced your lesson this morning. Well, I did not mean to leave the uh, the bad impression or the false impression that uh, that my kids just always, you know, you go up to their rooms, it's just spotless <laughs> and immaculate. No, that's why I have to keep telling them. That's, that's what they didn't get. I'm right. always telling yeah. them to do them. But I do think there's a, you know, I think all of us that are parents, we're all, we're all trying to do the same thing that God's been doing to us. In Scripture, God gives us commands, and He holds yeah. out the carrot, He holds out the yeah. stick. We do the same thing. Let's, let's get this done. There will be a reward at the end of the week or whatever, and if we don't yeah. get this done, there's going to be issues. But also, like God, who's always, you know, telling us, here's right. what the carrot is, here's what the stick is. But ultimately, God is trying to build character. And so that whenever I'm following God, it's not simply because, oh, right, you know, right, I could right. have a reward in heaven. No, this is this is what I want to be because I love God and this is what God wants me to be. So ultimately, I think all of us with our kids, we want them to be responsible adults. We want them to to take care of their things. We want them to, yes. to be a help to their spouse. And so that's what we're trying to do. But <laughs> again... Um, yeah, there, there's a whole lot of uh, telling people in right. our house to you need to do this. Oh yes, let me tell you, in the Embry house, the struggle is real. Yes, I, we will <laughs> fight for 20 minutes about who should unload the dishwasher for a 10 minute job. So I mean, yeah, I, I <laughs> yep. boy, I'm there too. I, I could just as easily ask this question. Okay, Josh. So, so what are you going to be preaching about next time? All right, so we're going to finish up with a passage about idolatry that we have not considered yet, but we have to. It is Joshua's challenge to Israel. Yeah. The choice. Who are you going to serve? Well, that sounds good. I'm really, I've enjoyed this series. I think you've done an excellent job with it. I I think this was, I knew this was not the last one. I knew this could not be the last one. Well, here's how else you knew, because this is lesson seven. Uh Uh-huh. So this will be lesson eight. Okay. And if and when I'm ever asked to do a full week gospel meeting again, Ah. you have to have eight sermons. That makes sense. That, That makes sense. That makes sense. All righty, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we talk about that one next week? All right, Kenny. Look forward to it. All righty, man. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.